This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. Welcome, welcome, welcome into Sports Talk, everybody, here on the Sports Talk Media Network. You know, it's a Friday, and there's football. There's football in front of us, so why don't we call it another Founders Federal Football Friday night here on Sports Talk. However, however, we will not have a scoreboard tonight. There is, oh. there is not a score to give. We will have a game tomorrow, but nothing tonight. But we are over at Doug Shaw Memorial Stadium. In Myrtle Beach for the annual Joanne Langfit Underclassman Challenge. This thing has grown by leaps and bounds since it was started a couple of years ago by Scott Early. And they've got hundreds of kids in from many, many high schools across the state of South Carolina. They're down on the field, they're on the track, and they're doing various things to test their skills against one another. So this is another step in growing the game here in Myrtle Beach and growing the weekend and the week. So congratulations to the folks here with the Touchstone Energy Bowl. And Scott Early, now the executive director of the South Carolina Athletic Coaches Association. We'll do more on this. Richie Altman will be down on the field in a little bit. We'll hear from him and find out uh, some of the numbers, some of the um, some of the splits and some of the uh, some of the lifts and all that kind of stuff that he'll have access to. Uh, there's a hot air balloon here as well, Chris and Pat, and they're not using me to help fill it up. Uh, it's the Touchstone Energy hot air balloon, and as I'm speaking, it is going up right now. <laughs> it's over on an adjacent field, and they're taking uh, they're taking people for rides. Uh, and it's I a like beautiful that. balloon. It's a beautiful balloon. Yeah, so you're at Doug Shaw, correct? That's correct. So, I mean, once you get about 100 feet off the ground, you can see the Atlantic Ocean from there. So that ought to be really, really cool. Unfortunately, it's gotten dark, so maybe you don't get quite the view. But still, that should be really nice. And the weather, not as cold as it has been the past couple of days over on this side of the state. So it should be enjoyable. It is beautiful. I mean, it was like, now, it was overcast today, but no rain. But the temperature was very mild, and I think we're looking at some Uh, Excellent weather for tomorrow's football game. Mm -hmm. So let me remind everybody, hey, come watch some football. Come support high school football players across the state of South Carolina. Some of the best. Obviously, the Shrine Bowl gets the first pick of the players every all-star season. But there's so many good players in South Carolina. Plenty remain. And we've got good ones here. And they'll play an exciting football game tomorrow. It's the 76th annual game. But the best I can count, there's been 73 games to this point. Now, they did not have a game during the COVID year of 2020. In the program, it says the first game was in 1947, but the first recorded game I can find in the records is 1948. So, by Hmm. the way, do you know who was on – the head coaches won't ring a bell, but two of the assistant coaches in that first game, 1948, Pinky Bab. Okay. For the North. Greenwood legend. Yep. And 
Harvey Kirkland for the South. From you know, Kirkland's name, I don't remember. Somerville. He was John McKissick okay. before John McKissick. I mean, wow. he was a man down there before John McKissick. Yeah. Okay. All right. So they were assistant coaches, assistant coaches in 1948. <laughs> yeah, in the first game. Uh, looking at the weather tomorrow for here, we're talking about partly sunny and nice, 68 degrees. So get Perfect. on down here. Get on down here. Enjoy the beach. Enjoy the weather. Enjoy everything that we have to offer here. Touchstone Energy Cooperatives Bowl. We'll have the airtime at noon, the kickoff at 1230, and at halftime, of course, the announcement of Mr. Football in South Carolina. Don't have a clue, don't have a feel, don't really know who's going to get this thing. There's uh, four Shrine Bowl players and one player who's in this game uh, among the final five. It's a good list. They obviously are very good football players, but they've also done good things in their community and in their school. And so we'll find out tomorrow who it's going to be. We'll have that for you during the halftime ceremonies here. So this is a, a great place to be tuned in. Reminder, if you can't find us over one of our stations, and I'll give you the list of stations here in just a moment, if for some reason you can't find us, we will, of course, be streaming through our variety of streams. We suggest you have the Chief Sports app. Have it on your phone. Carry it with you. It's a very easy, easy way to always get your hands on us, and we'll have a a special, uh, not an app, but a special, uh, what would you call it? a special logo to click on, I guess, that will take you right to the broadcast of the game tomorrow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you will find us, however, on our Columbia flagship station, 100.7 FM. So Columbia well covered. Also out of Camden, we'll have that part of the Midlands covered as well on a cool, uh, what do they call it, 102.7 WPUB. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. be on there as well. That's FM up in uh, Spartanburg and Woodruff, WQUL, AM and FM up there. In Orangeburg, WPJK, AM and FM there. In Rock Hill, uh, we move over to one of their uh, other stations, not the one that normally carries sports talk. We'll be on WRHI FM. I believe that's 94.3. They have basketball, a basketball tournament in uh, Rock Hill. They're broadcasting on the uh, normal sports talk station. So we'll be over there, WRHIFM. Lawrence, WLBG, AM and FM. Florence, WOLHFM, our station there, 96.3. Uh, Barnwell, Allendale, WDOG, FM. And in Augusta, Augusta, WAAW, FM, which is a very strong FM station coming out of the Augusta. Uh, Johnston area, Johnston, Aiken, all in there. And uh, check that station out as well. All those stations will have us for the broadcast tomorrow. So we are looking forward to it as always. So uh, tonight, if you want to join in, we got plenty of time for your calls. Nothing else is planned except for, of course, birdies, bogeys, and biceps at 730. Uh, Recruiting coming your way uh, at some point in time here in a little bit when we decide to do it. So stay tuned for that. South Carolina is hosting a lot of transfers this weekend. We'll talk about this in just a moment. Uh, Gamecocks hosting a lot of transfers. Clemson, no official visits, but they do have a transfer offensive lineman coming in to watch practice. They start bowl practice, coming in to watch bowl practice on Sunday. 
Uh, our phone number, 888 That is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. So feel free to join us. Pat Daniel is back at our Columbia studio. Chris Bergen is at the uh, Bergie Palace, and I am here in uh, Myrtle Beach. So South Carolina hosting a, a bunch of uh, transfer players, and the Gamecocks are going really uh, heavily into the transfer portal, John Chris to try and replenish their roster, which is fine. It is certainly yeah, uh, a way to do things uh, this year to uh, to build up your talent base. The question is how heavily – see, people want to say, look at Colorado. Look what Dion did with all the transfers at Colorado. Yet, they flamed out. I know their quarterback got hurt late in the season, but they flamed out. <laughs> Once they started playing much better competition, they flamed out. Now, I don't know what's happened with them transfer-wise, players leaving or players coming in to this point. But my point is, you just I don't think you can just build a roster around transfer players. You still have to, still have to recruit high school guys, good high school players, indoctrinate them in your program, keep them in your program, and develop those guys for the, I say, for the long-term health and strength of your program. And you say? I would agree with you about five years ago. I'm not so sure that holds true anymore, Phil, because as you pointed out, you've got to recruit high school kids and keep them in your program. How difficult is that becoming? Not just high school kids, transfer kids. I mean, look at Mario Anderson. Here's a guy who uh, was at Newberry College two years ago, came to South Carolina, had a decent year behind a just horrid offensive line. I don't know how you could have expected him to be any better. And now he's getting visits at, what, Texas and all these other different, you know, name brands around the country because of what he was able to do at South Carolina when the Gamecocks would have thought, hey, you, we brought you up from Division Two. We gave you an opportunity. Hey, you should stay with us to finish out your career, and that's just not how it works anymore. I still think you've got to recruit high school kids. There's no doubt. And I saw a, a tweet uh, quoting Dabo Sweeney earlier today, and he was talking about how sad it is that high school kids are getting overlooked. But that's just the reality now with South Carolina having, what did we figure, what did you say yesterday or the day before, 16, 18 kids in the portal? Yeah, about that. Mm-hmm. You've you've almost got to replenish everyone you lose out of the portal with somebody else in the portal, don't you? Because, I mean, sooner or later you're going to run out of high school kids that have committed to your program, and you've got to plug and play quickly. And from South Carolina's perspective, they've got to find some guys, especially in the wide receiving core and on the offensive line, that can go to work starting tomorrow and be ready to go when the season opens up. I, I don't think they can wait two, three, four years on uh, prospects coming in and developing and improving. If, they, if Shane Beamer wants to keep his job, and, and maintain you know the uh, pro- program going in the right direction, he's almost forced, I think, in, in some regard to go into the portal and get guys that can help him starting next year. Absolutely. But you know what's confounding to me is I, let's use Mario Anderson as an example here now. It's a young man. you got to give him a lot of credit. He was determined to get to the high level of college football. He wasn't recruited mm-hmm. heavily out of Berkeley High School. And he goes to Newberry. He makes himself into a D2 All-American. He gets the opportunity to come to South Carolina, does a nice job, a slow start. They finally, uh, because of injuries and, and, and need, he gets his shot, and he doesn't let him down. Not only does he lead the team in rushing with over 700 yards, he also became very good at pass pro. You know, he would stick his nose, his chin right, right into a blitzing mm-hmm. linebacker or an oncoming defensive tackle and wouldn't think, you know, sec- wouldn't think about it. So he became a valuable player. Now, he got an offer from Oklahoma. 
Now, we know Oklahoma's probably got a bunch of money, and we know Oklahoma can recruit anybody in the country. And this is what's confounding to me. Why, if you're South Carolina, and this guy is valued by Oklahoma, a much better program, a national elite program, why aren't you getting it done to keep this guy? Why aren't you? What's the deal? You think you're going to get Rocket question. Sanders from Arkansas? Maybe they think it'll be a, a, just a, cha- a, a, a switch off. Okay, well, you're, you're going to lose Mario Anderson, but we're going to get Rocket Sanders. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. He's coming in for a visit this weekend. But that's, you know, you got a, you got a, a given thing here in Anderson. I'm wondering why and how they came up short with this offer to Mario Anderson, unless they just don't value him at that level. And, and they feel like they can invest their money more wisely with somebody else. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that you, you overlook what he was able to accomplish, again, behind just a miserable offensive line. I thought he was one of the biggest surprises they had this season because, as you pointed out, nobody, I think, expected much. Yeah, those of us in South Carolina knew what he had done at Newberry, but the the off you know the, the response there is, yeah, but that's at Newberry. How's mm-hmm. he going to do in the SEC? Well, when he finally got his chance, he made it so hard for the Gamecocks, and, and partly because there was nobody else in the room, but he made it difficult for them to take a – take him off the field I think you know you deserve and maybe they offered him a bunch of money and and he just wanted to go somewhere else we'll never know but you know I I think that's a guy you would you would want to keep in the fold because of what he was able to accomplish this year in his first year in the scheme maybe in year two under Dowell Loggins he explodes and becomes a thousand yard rusher next year but here's another thought if you're a running back looking at South Carolina if you're Rocket Sanders, for example, or this Elijah Green coming in from North Carolina, for, and you look at that South Carolina offensive line, don't you kind of do a double take? I mean, they if they watched video of South Carolina and watched that offensive line flail away trying to block quality defensive linemen, wouldn't you kind of take a, a second thought and like, hey, man, I need to go someplace where they can block for the running game. Now, maybe they're going to tell them, look, we're going to bring in a bunch of new offensive linemen as well. But, again, that's a that's just a guess. You have no guarantee that these new linemen that you're going to bring in are going to come in and change the entire complexion of your offensive line. And, of course, there's people who are screaming for Lonnie, uh, for, for Lonnie Teasley to be fired. So it, it mm-hmm. could mean a new offensive line coach if, if Beamer's listening to that. So, I mean, if you're that kind of a running back, if you're Rocket Sanders, for example, don't you, don't you take a close look at who's going to be blocking for you before you make a decision? You would think. But, again, going into this upcoming season, then we think, you know, there, there was a chance for that offensive line to really blossom and be a strength for the Gamecocks instead of a massive weakness, which it turned out to be. So, who knows? And I think that's probably how, how you have to sell it. Yeah, we didn't meet expectations. We, uh, we had limited – Bits and, and, and all the injuries. Let's let's be fair. They did not perform well, but let's be fair. A lot of the guys who were in there midseason moving towards the end of the season, I'm not sure Shane Beamer and his staff expected them to play as much as they had to, like Tree Babalati and Trevon Ball. I mean, those were guys I think they were hoping to maybe mix in a couple of games here or there, not become starters, you know, at Georgia and at Tennessee and these type places because uh, just out of necessity. So, in fairness, yeah, the offensive line deserved a lot of criticism, but I, I think a lot of it was injuries too. So, do they improve if they can keep? Keep those guys healthy. And Chris, one more point, Phil, to jump in here. If Mario Anderson were to leave to go to an Oklahoma or some other school, 
that would be back-to-back years the Gamecocks lose their top rusher. Remember last year, or after the 2022 season, they lost their top two rushers in Marshawn Lloyd and Jaheim Bell to Southern Cal and Florida State, respectively. So that would be back-to-back years, Mm. and that then even furthers your point, Phil, as to why is this happening? Why are the Gamecocks not able to retain these guys? Is it as simple as dollars and cents? Is that all that it is? Or is there something deeper with what you're alluding to regarding the offensive line? Yeah, exactly. You're right. Good point. Back-to-back years, you lose your leading rusher to uh, transfer. Um, That's that's not good. That's not how you build – consistency but and those are yeah. major programs too i mean southern yeah. cal florida state oklahoma so that also would maybe i'm taking it a step too far but then does it also come down to is there a talent a talent evaluation issue as well is there now i realize mario anderson became the starter eventually and maybe it took a little time to to progress from newberry to the sec like i get that but if these guys are being let go essentially by carolina and maybe i'm wrong there but that's the way it kind of looks what is it that these other schools that we, I think, will all agree to think of as equal, if not bigger name programs, Oklahoma, Southern Cal, Florida State, what is it that they're seeing in these guys that maybe the Gamecock staff is not? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and here's one more thought about this work in the transfer portal, John, too. What does that say about your recent high school recruiting? I mean, if you have to run off so many players, as the Gamecocks have done with a lot of these players, most of them i from what I understand, or maybe a, a fairly large number, if not most, you know, we're told to go look somewhere else. Um, what does that say about your valuation on the front end of high school recruits? Now that you're having to work the the transfer portal, John, so hard to replace players. I, a lot of questions there. And, and South Carolina is not the only one. Don't get me wrong. They just happen to be the one in our backyard that does it more than anybody mm-hmm. else. Clemson's sort of piddling around. And, it, yeah, they're they're looking at a couple of offensive linemen, and who knows? They might look at a, a corner, maybe a receiver. Who knows? But they're they're piddling in terms of numbers. They're not going to do huge numbers. South Carolina's doing huge numbers. And, again, right. if that's the way you're going to do your program, that's the way you're going to do it. Uh, well, and let me I, throw I, a name I don't at know you. if you're going to have long-lasting success that way with the constant turnover, but you just might. Let's throw a name at you, and we were talking earlier about Mr. Football, and there's really no clear, you know, defining name of the five that we think will become Mr. Football this year. Like last year, I think everybody thought it was going to be Lenore Sellers. Turned out to be Xavier McLeod. Xavier McLeod recruited. He signs with South Carolina. He's Mr. Football in the state. I would think everybody would agree that was a good signing by the Gamecocks, and here's a guy who's no longer with the program. Is that Mm -hmm. USC's fault? in poor evaluation or is it a situation that hey here's a kid that just didn't work out in our program from what i was told and this is what makes the fact that he won mr football kind of surprising i mean you had lenora sellers mm-hmm. who had all those huge numbers over four thousand passing yards and by all accounts was the perfect student oh yeah no in doubt. terms of behavior and community service and, and grades and all this in the case of McLeod, uh, he had been suspended a couple of times at school, at least a couple of times, for behavior issues. And, you know, supposedly an excellent football player maybe maybe thinks more of himself than is actually there. I don't see where 
I haven't checked. I don't see where there are a lot of people offering him so far since he's – of course, I don't know that he's officially hit the, the transfer portal. Maybe his name's in there. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I mean, he's left – he's out of South Carolina. We know right. that. But when I heard about that, I mean, that was sort of uh, – that raised my eyebrows about how this young man, you know, with, with uh, history, with some issues at school, because part of winning Mr. Football is recommendations by your teachers, your principals, and all that. So I guess the folks at Camden must have signed off on it in, in putting his name in for uh, consideration for Mr. Football. But it didn't work out for him at South Carolina. Sellers has got a chance, they think, to be an excellent quarterback for them. The finalists this year are Zion Dobson from Hampton County, great athlete, unbelievable numbers. He's here in this game. Avery McFadden from Hillcrest, another with uh, tremendous numbers. Turbo Richard, uh, really, really good running back from Northwestern who's committed to Boston College. Josiah Thompson, the big offensive tackle from Dillon, going to South Carolina, and Watson Young, big offensive lineman from Daniel, who's going to Clemson. So those are the five, and this would be uh, one interesting angle here. If Watson Young wins it, then we have a father-son combination winning Mr. Football because many years ago, Mm. Kyle Young won Mr. Football coming out of Daniel High School. So – that would be and an another interesting non, angle. non-skill position, if you will, winning Mr. Football, too. You know, not That's quarterback, right. not running back, That's not right. wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah, they have not been the people who make this selection, and it's the most secretive group, I think, in the world. I mean, you probably know people who know the nuclear code before you can figure <laughs> out who, who picks Mr. Football. I mean, that is such a well-kept secret. I don't have a clue. They're not afraid to go with a lineman, you know, or a tight end or whatever they might have based on the information. Uh, Here's some numbers. Uh, Dobson, in his career, uh, over 3,000 yards um, and over 2,000 yards this year. Uh, McFadden, a wide receiver who's committed to Georgia State and Shrine Bowler, and he had over 200 yards in his career, 32 career touchdowns. Richard going to Boston College, over 1,000 yards rushing this year, 53 touchdowns in his career, or maybe a little bit more than that at the time these stats were compiled. Thompson headed to South Carolina, 6'7", 290, uh, and looks like that kind of got the perfect build for an offensive tackle. You know, he's kind of – he's not – he's sleek. You know, he moves well. They think he's going to be a terrific offensive tackle. And Young was originally committed to Appalachian State, and then Clemson offered him, and, of course, he made the, the move to uh, Clemson. He's a left tackle for uh, an outstanding uh, team at Daniel High School that averaged uh, uh, 470 yards per game this year. So that's a, that's a good group of five right there to consider. I think Pat had a question for you if I noticed on our chat. Oh, yeah. If go we, right ahead, sir. Sure, yeah. got time here. We had, break. we had a, a caller yeah. in. He was unavailable to go on the phone, but Oscar in Charleston, longtime listener, had a question regarding the transfer portal and if there was a maximum amount of offers that any school can make. The best answer I could give offhand was that as long as they, a school remains under the total scholarship limit, they could make as many as you want. But if you wanted to expand on that 
and just if there's a, a maximum amount of players that any school can take from the portal? Yeah, good question. There is no limit. You can offer as many as you want, but you're exactly right. You still have to be at the 85 number come August when everybody is officially counted uh, as being on scholarship in your program. But you can, man, if you want to sign 50 transfers, you can sign 50 transfers. Okay. There's no limit to that. Part two of that question, thank you for that. And part two of that, oh, there's more. What about okay. yeah? What about visits? Are there a certain amount of official visits that a school can offer to transfer or people that they offer within the portal? Yeah, you can have as many as you want to come in for official visits. Um, now, I think you know the NCAA. Yeah, the NCAA raised the limit that the athletes can take to 10. You can take 10 official visits, and I think they removed the limit as to the number of official visits a school can have. They used to have a cap, which I think was uh, like 56. I think that's been wiped away. (laughs) Yeah. Go figure. We'll be back after this break. Don't go away. <laughs> okay, we're back. It is Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. It's a Friday night, a Founders Federal Football Friday night because we've been talking football good bits. And we got football coming up tomorrow for you. High noon on the network with the annual Touchstone Energy Cooperatives Bowl from here at Doug Shaw Memorial Stadium. Our phone number is 888-898-2525 if you'd like to join us. Now, because of his new position as the executive director of the South Carolina Athletic Coaches Association, which he officially took over yesterday, longtime sideline voice of the bowl game, Scott Early, cannot be with us in that capacity. However, we have filled those rather large shoes with somebody who's got big feet, as we welcome in longtime high school football broadcaster Richie Altman to Sports Talk. And Richie will be working with us tomorrow on the sideline. And he is down on the field at Doug Shaw Memorial Stadium as we speak, watching everything that's transpiring in front of us as these athletes continue to go through it at the Joanne Langfit Underclassman Challenge. Okay, Richie, do you hear me, man? No, I was crossing my fingers. Richie, are you with us? Okay, got to get back to that. That would be probably on my end. For some reason, we're not uh, we're not hearing him. I'll have to figure that out here in just a little bit. But he will be with us, I promise you. We'll have it worked out by game time tomorrow, but I hope to get him on from the field here while we're on the air tonight so he can tell us about what's going on with this Joanne Langfit underclassman challenge. Do we know the namesake is Joanne Langfit? Do we know why that name is attached to this combine? Yes. Uh, She was, and she's passed away, a teacher or administrator for many, many years at Myrtle Beach High School and very close to uh, Coach Early from his days coaching at Myrtle Beach High School. She died in October of 2020. 
And she, uh, trying to see here, I'm reading her obituary as a matter of fact. Um, she worked in the school's athletic department for a couple of years, transitioning into the private sector. Um, she uh, was the uh, secretary and local coordinator for the All-Star football game for 12 years. So she worked ah, okay. very closely gotcha. with uh, Coach yeah. Early in helping run the All-Star game uh, from here at Myrtle Beach High School. And, you know, there are plans. There are plans being talked about to continue to expand things here with the All-Star game. And perhaps before we know it, maybe sooner than later, there could be some sort of coordination with the Shrine Bowl. And I think it's entirely possible that we could have what a lot of people have wanted for a long time in high school football in our state, Chris, a doubleheader with the Touchstone Energy All-Star Game and the Shrine Bowl being played on a weekend here in Myrtle Beach. How about that? If that could awesome. come, to, come to fruition. I think it'd be great. I, I don't see a problem with either game being run, you know, concurrently with the other one. You'd have plenty of time to get in practice. Shriners could still go up to Greenville to the uh, Shriners Hospital, and the uh, folks down at the beach could still have the kids go over to their shopping spree at Target. Uh, there are so many great things about having it in the same location. I think ticket sales would go through the roof. You could sell a package where you get both games. And uh, I'm sure Myrtle Beach would be all all about that, the opportunity to have a bunch of people in our state and from North Carolina as well coming down for the weekend to Myrtle Beach. I think it would be great. I really do. I hope that ultimately works out. And you could have it this weekend or, or go next weekend, maybe have an off week after the state championships to give everybody a rest and then bring them down to the Shrine Bowl normal week, which is what next weekend, the, what is that, 15th, 16th. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I think it would be fabulous. And I hope it works out. I, I really do. I like that idea. Yeah. I think that um, they could really make a, a, a major celebration of high school football mm-hmm. yep. in South Carolina and include the folks in North Carolina as well. We'll see what happens with the Shrine Bowl moving forward. You know, I, they've had some issues, I think, um, with their game, organizationally speaking, and you know, maybe some financial things as well. I mean, look, we know the Shrine Bowl is a fabulous game, and it is an important game, and it goes to part of a great cause, which is raising money for the children's hospitals across the country. They unveil that huge check at halftime of the game every year. And who doesn't get, you know, choked up a little bit about that when you see it and you see the, the king and the queen of the kids uh, come out as part of the uh, halftime, um, uh, halftime festivities. So we know the, the Shrine Bowl needs to be healthy and the Shrine Bowl needs to continue. Um, but in conjunction with here and with maybe some some new people involved and some fresh ideas, uh, both will benefit. Both can grow, and um, South Carolina can have a situation where we are second to none when it comes to having an all-star weekend. How about that? Let's just not let David Tepper get involved with it, or we'll lose both games. Yeah. <laughs> and the North-South game will end up going to North Carolina, too. So keep him out of the mix. I think we can have a, a wonderful high school weekend if the both the Shrine Bowl and the North-South game were hold, held on the same weekend. I think it would be wonderful. I've, I've liked that idea for years, and I hope it does come to fruition here sooner rather than later. Yeah. Well, it's in – it's in works. It's in the works. Um, you know, time will tell if it actually is going to come to fruition. I'm sure there's a lot of political stuff involved. A lot of people have to sign off on it both ways. So people are working on it. So maybe 
uh, it will happen here before we know it. Phone number, 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. All right, let's talk a little basketball. Then we'll do recruiting after the break. So tomorrow, Red Hot Clemson going up to Canada to play TCU in what will be a nice test for the Tigers up there. Uh, This is part of a uh, Hall of Fame classic uh, sort of – it's not – obviously it's not a a tournament. It's just a one-game trip up there, but it's part of a a broader – a broader organization than just a a single game. This is part of the 2023 Hall of Fame series. And it's going to be in the Coca-Cola Coliseum in Toronto. Okay. So So where the Maple Leafs games are affiliated with that. I don't know. Is that the big arena? That's a great question. I I don't know. But I'd forgotten. I didn't realize that TCU was off to as good a start as it is. I haven't heard much about them this season. It was almost like Jamie Dixon's team sort of fallen off the map. But they've uh, they're they're playing very well. They're undefeated as well. So much like the game that Clemson played the other night against Carolina, they've got another team trying to improve and get to eight and zero. And Clemson hoping to get to nine and zero. Yeah, Tigers should be playing with a lot of confidence off that win. Look, I would think so. uh, they've gone sure. to Alabama and they've won, and they beat an undefeated South Carolina at home. Uh, I think Clemson has proven itself uh, very nicely uh, so far this season and deserves the praise that they're getting. And, you know, that uh, Brownell's done a nice job of scheduling this year because he's playing enough uh, big schools and getting wins that – if they don't just blow through the ACC, um, and they're if they're in the questionable area when it comes to uh, selecting the field, if they're not the automatic qualifier, he's going to have enough quality wins if they win some of these games. I mean, they've beaten Boise State, they've beaten Alabama, they've beaten Pittsburgh on the road, they beat South Carolina, they're going to play Memphis, uh, and that's the last real big one. They got Queens and Radford before they start the rest of their ACC mm-hmm. schedule. So. I mean, if they win out, you know, those are some pretty good wins. Oh, and David uh, uh, Davidson was an excellent win as well, and yeah. they, they beat UAB. So uh, if you throw UAB, Davidson, Boise, Alabama, Pitt, South Carolina, TCU, and Memphis, that's eight credible games. And if you win them all, my goodness, that's going to set them in a, a great spot looking ahead to March. And as of today, they are number one in the country in RPI, according to Warren Nola. And they've got already, uh, you know, their strength of schedule is 12. As you pointed out, I mean, they've got some solid quad one wins, which, of course, has hampered them in the past. You know, don't have quad four losses. Do you get enough quad one wins to make up for it? They've done very well with scheduling. And Brad Brownell's team is playing really, really well. And, heck, South Carolina's up at number nine in the RPI, Phil. As we were joking last night, if the tournament started this weekend, we'd actually have both teams in. (laughs) without a question. And they would be relatively high seeds, too. I mean, Clemson right now would be sitting on that one-two line. Now, here's a flash for you. Tournament don't start this weekend. I know. I'm hoping, though, right? We keep hoping. They both both got, you know, difficult schedules ahead when they get the league play. No doubt. Okay. Uh, Let me see something here for a second. Stand by. Hello, one-two-one-two. See? Okay. Dadgummit. All right, I'm talking to you from the field mic right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you hear me sounds loud and clear. So I yes, knew it was working. Good. Pat, Pat sent me a nasty text message. Uh, 
I just asked why you didn't test it before we went live on the air, so we well, wouldn't be doing this live Well, I did test it before I went live. <laughs> but Something I did planning and preparation. Low hard. <laughs> I did test it, and I heard it working fine, but for some reason we did not connect, but uh, we're going to get connected here in just a minute. I just wanted to see checking one, two, three, checking one, two. Yes, this yeah. is working fine. Thank you very much. I know how to do electronics. That's how I got started with setting up this equipment. All right, let's run to the break, and we'll come back and do the recruiting report uh, here on Sports Talk, catch you up on everything that has been going on today and what uh, is going to happen over the weekend. You want to jump on board, 888-898-2525 is our phone number. By the way, if you're heading down here to the beach, make sure you take time out to go by and see Jimmy Smith and the folks at James Smith Realty. Let Jimmy show you some great properties. Maybe you're looking for something for a vacation in the summer or maybe you want to buy something here at the beach they have got their hands on a lot of different pieces of dirt all over the beach 843-237-4246 is the number paulie's vacation rentals.com how you find them online jimmy smith for your perfect beach getaway back in a moment Farm Bureau Insurance's agricultural roots and ties to South Carolina farmers have shaped the company's culture and work ethic, providing a unique customer experience. Customers are treated like people, not policies. Now, while other insurance companies may have a one-size-fits-all approach to handling customers, we believe you need to be valued and treated right. Our claims professionals work until the job is done, and our agents still believe in the commitments that comes with a handshake. Call Buddy Bridges and Clinton and Lawrence at 864-923-217 for all of your auto, home, and life insurance needs. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Hi, this is Lisa Hostetler-Brown. If you or a loved one are over 65 and haven't completed a long-term care planning consultation, now is the time. Did you know that if you aren't able to afford the high cost of skilled care, your assets can be rapidly depleted to only $2,000 unless you plan five years in advance? Visit LawyerLisa.com to see how we can help. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. George Bryant here for Tsunami Bar Sports, and some say the fun is in the winning. I say the fun is in the training. And Tsunami Robbie, what do you say? George, we all know you get more done when you're having fun. This technology is different, it's engaging, but it's also a lot of fun to use. Hi, this is Phil Kornblut. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any Tsunami Bar order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait, order today. 
The stars do shine brighter at the beach as some of the best senior high school football players in South Carolina will be on display Saturday in the 76th annual Touchstone Energy Cooperative Bowl. This is Phil Cornblue. Be sure to join us for our broadcast starting at noon from Doug Shaw Memorial Stadium. We'll have it all from kickoff to postgame, plus the announcement of Mr. Football at halftime. That's the Touchstone Energy Cooperative Bowl this Saturday at noon on the Sports Talk Media Network. I guess we should mention the Clemson soccer team is playing in the national semis tonight against West Virginia. And we have a goal. We have a goal. Yeah, pretty one. Let me hear you say goal. How would, if you, you know, you're the play by play guy. If you were doing soccer and somebody scored, how would you call it? (laughs) Well, first off, trust me, I would not be doing soccer because unfortunately I have no idea about the game itself. I would, I would make a fool out of myself. So, but there was a very nice goal just a moment ago by the uh, Tigers, and they've got a one nothing lead. I'm telling you, those guys are going to win the national championship. Was this expected? Were they supposed to be this good? I, I, I don't remember preseason polls. I think they were, Pat. Weren't they the preseason favorite in the ACC? I, I, yes, I, I believe just don't so. remember back in, you know, in, in August, but uh, mm-hmm. listening to – their coaching staff, you know, a couple of weeks back uh, when I was up at Clemson for Dabo's press conference, they felt like they had, their roster was constructed well enough to win the ACC, and he said, if you can win the ACC, you can win a national championship, and I think Coach Noonan is starting to, that's starting to bear out here. Yeah, okay, well, hey, natties are hard to come by no matter where you get them. So There's no doubt. They are to be cherished if you happen to get one. Let's do the recruiting report because, hey, these schools are recruiting players and they're hoping to win national championships uh, with them. Our recruiting report here on Sports Talk is brought to you by our good friends over at uh, Seawells. And today was a big day at Seawells. It was a roast beef Friday. I would love to have been there. Pat, did you make it by there to get your your dosage of gravy and your tonnage of roast beef? I did not. I unfortunately had uh, something else come up. I was not able to get there today for lunch, but I'm sure it was fantastic over at Seawells. I'm sure the good people there had lots and lots of roast beef, fried chicken. What else was it? Fried pork chops, all the veggies and salad bar your heart can handle, and that banana pudding is always something else. Pat, you need to rethink your priorities. You cannot allow life and work to get in front of gravy from Seawells. Yeah, yeah, you're right. What's wrong with you? Well, say. Sadly, I wasn't going to say it on air, but it was a, 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 a funeral, unfortunately. Uh, uh, my godmother passed away. Shout out oh, Libby, Libby Munn. Sorry to hear Terrific, that. terrific woman. Um, you make me feel, feel terrible. Very, no, no, you're fine, but feel very, yeah, very blessed to be here, to have been her godson. <laughs> she was terrific, but uh, it, was, it was a very nice service, but that was at 1 o'clock today over at, over at St. John's in Shandon. So I was not able to make it to Seawells, but I'm sure it was, a, it was a great time for all involved. Well, sorry to hear about that. I'm sure if the, the pastor or the preacher knew that this was a roast beef Friday, they would have scheduled that, you know, to take place later in the afternoon for you. But uh, I hope uh, everything went smoothly with that. And you'll get back there. Uh, well, you know, you're gone next week, right? You're going to uh, Detroit? Uh, close. I'll be, up in the, I'll be up in the northeast. I'll be visiting some friends. I'll be up, uh, but I will be away for, for a bit here um, all week. But I will be back the following week. Okay, cool. 
So uh, don't forget, for the best in the catering business, that too is Seawells. Their website is SeawellsCateringSC.com. And their phone number, 803-771-7385. All right, big weekend for South Carolina recruiting-wise. One who's coming in is defensive tackle Jerome Simmons, 6'4", 333. Highland Junior College, Kansas. He's out of Bamberg. Flew out this morning out of Kansas City, meeting his parents in Columbia for the weekend. And he also was in for the Clemson game. So the Gamecocks are really heavily on his mind. And it could happen this weekend, he said. He said if they are talking the good talk, probably, meaning will he commit if they are talking the good talk, probably. But he's also talked about taking some other visits. Uh, He really likes Coastal Carolina a lot, and Georgia has been involved with him some as well, and he has thought about visiting there perhaps in January. He is not an early enrollee, and he's not planning right now until signing uh, into February. He could sign in December. Uh, if he wanted to, but he's he's not enrolling until the summer. So we'll see if he decides uh, to commit, and then we'll just see if he decides to to sign in December. He took an official visit to Louisiana last weekend. All right, uh, South Carolina was scheduled to have high school offensive lineman Elijah Thurman of Hinesville, Georgia, in for his official visit this weekend. That no longer is happening. No longer involved with the Gamecocks. Uh, if you uh, Flashback to what we reported on him earlier this week. He told us that Clemson was his number one, and he was feeling pretty good towards Clemson after making an official visit there. So maybe the handwriting was already on the wall. He's going to announce on Monday. It certainly looks like Clemson for him. Others scheduled to visit this weekend at South Carolina. All transfers. Running back Oscar Attaway of North Texas. Running back Elijah Green of North Carolina. Running back Rocket Sanders of Arkansas, receiver Jared Brown of Coastal, receiver Jaden McGowan of Vanderbilt, tight end Tyler Neville of Harvard, defensive tackle LT Overton of Texas A&M and his brother, defensive tackle Micaiah Overton, also of Texas A&M, and defensive back Gerald Kilgore from Tennessee Tech. Middle Tennessee State transfer offensive lineman Keelan Rutledge Plans to visit Clemson Sunday, according to David Hood of TigerNet. He planned to visit Georgia Tech today and is scheduled to visit Auburn on Sunday. I don't believe Clemson has offered yet, but they're interested, and he's coming in to watch their practice. USC target running back Daniel Hill of Meridian, Mississippi, taking an official visit to Mississippi State this weekend. He has had USC, Tennessee, and Alabama as his top three with an announcement set for January 6th. Former USC running back Mario Anderson was offered by Oklahoma. That's according to Pete Nakos of On3. USC cornerback commitment Braden Lee has set an official visit for this weekend to Maryland. Of course, he's from up in Maryland. Miami transfer tight end Jaleel Skinner out of Riverside has locked in an official visit to Auburn for this weekend, according to On3. And here at the Touchstone Energy Bowl, Players who have made commitments to schools. Offensive lineman Justin Joe, South Florence to Charleston Southern. Offensive lineman Dylan Barbary of Airport to Appalachian State. Receiver Terrence Smith Jr. of South Aiken to Connecticut. Receiver Jerron Waiters of Wilson to East Carolina. Defensive back Devin Crumpton of Spring Valley. 
preferred walk-on USC. Defensive lineman Bruce Nauber of Greenville to Furman. Defensive back K.J. Chisholm, Well Branch, Jackson State. Offensive lineman Stephen Odell from Broome to Furman. Linebacker Miles Brown of Ridgeview to Virginia. Receiver Rashawn Cunningham of Chapman to Charleston Southern. Defensive lineman Jaden Wilson of Greenville to Charleston Southern. Uh, tied in. No, offensive lineman. I'm sorry. Offensive lineman Chase Gregoric from T.L. Hanna. Uh, and he has committed to Furman. And offensive lineman J.T. Sewell of Gray Collegiate Appalachian State. And defensive back Isaiah McClary from Irmo. He commits to uh, USC as a preferred walk-on. So there you go. Pretty good number. Not a bad number of kids in this game who've already made commitments and others have offers to consider. Coaches were here. I'm sure some offers might have been handed out from some college coaches who were here for practice this week. They're able to do that if you're an FCS-level program or a D2 program or a junior college program. Right. You can come here and watch and go talk to the kids and make them an offer right then and there. Can you stay the whole week, or is there a limited time that you can do that? You know what? I think, don't hold me to it, but if the rules are the rules that I remember from the past, I think you can watch one team one day and one team the next day. Hmm. I okay. think. But don't hold me to that. Makes you know, sense. No, what, that are makes sense. what are rules? What are rules? You know, They're guidelines. They're just what guidelines. Suggestions. They're just suggestions. I'm in a booth that has lights that go out on you after X amount of time. There you go. But I just waved my hands, and I said, let there be lights. Yeah, they did a really nice job with that. Um, the renovations over at Doug Shaw with the press box. It's really nice. Oh, yeah. Number one thing's the elevator, a wonderful elevator, because those steps were some of the toughest to negotiate. All right, top of the hour. We'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network on this Founders Federal Football Friday night, the absolute last one in South Carolina for this year. Phil Kornblut, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. We are here at the stadium in Myrtle Beach. Doug Kingsmore. Doug Kingsmore. Dave Shaw Memorial. Doug Shaw. Doug Shaw Memorial. Name it whatever you want to, Phil. I'm telling you. I'll just make up a name and throw it out there. Well, of course, you know, we lost Doug Kingsmore this week. Mm -hmm. The man for whom the Clemson Baseball Stadium is named for. His name is Doug. This is Doug Shaw. So I got the two crisscrossed because I'm trying to do ten things at one time. And I'm not doing any of them uh, really well. Uh, Down below – the competition continues. They got guys doing the old tug-of-war thing now down on the field. Teams against teams pulling on the rope. That's pretty cool, watching these guys go back and forth against uh, one another. Uh, all right, our phone number, 888 Love to hear from you before we uh, 
get down to the bottom of the hour, and then we'll have birdies, bogeys, and biceps with uh, George Bryan and Robbie Thames. Keith and Camden, you're with us tonight here on Sports Talk. Welcome in. How are you? Hey, Phil. Chris, Pat. Hey, How you doing, up, sir? Keith? I'm doing well. Um, during the, the recruiting segment, you mentioned four potential running backs. Uh, I got a two-part question for you. Um, will there be another opportunity for the press where um, Beamer has a press conference where y'all get to ask your lovely questions? That's the first part. And if so, um, and I'm sure they have their reasons, but why? I am just dumbfounded that we're looking, and I get it, for transfers, but I, I go back to the kid at Mid, Midland Valley, and you mark it down, they let that kid go, and then you see where he goes and how well he does, assuming he stays healthy. Um, you, you know, you got to scratch your head about running back coach, evaluation, what have you, but I'm just I'm just curious if someone given the right opportunity would actually ask that question. Coach, what about well, these kids here? And they well, probably wouldn't answer it. <laughs> no, no. They they're not gonna talk about a kid who's going somewhere else. Right. You know, that that would be taboo. Um and like I've said before about uh this kid from Midland Valley, Dunbar, who had a heck of a year and a lot of people like him and they're they're stupefied as to why the in-state schools didn't recruit him. But all I can guess is that they've evaluated him and they've looked at him every which way in person, on film. And they've just determined that they they can go after other players that they like more. I mean, that's part of the deal of um, part of the deal of evaluation and um, procuring talent. Look, NFL well, scouts get it wrong every day, too. I mean, the guy who's starting for the 49ers uh, might be the hottest quarterback in the league, and he was the last guy taken in the draft when he came out. So they all – these evaluators, it's a yeah. – like like recruiting, it's an inexact science. Well, well Phil, and then I'll one, – one other comment, and then I'll hang up and listen. Uh, I, I agree. We're, we don't, we're not trivia to everything, and I'm sure they've evaluated, but I'm just going to say this. If we get to next year – and it proves that this kid is as good as he is, then you, you got to look at the um, the running back coach, and you got to look at Beamer. You got to look at all of them. I mean, every year, and I get it. There may be people that want to leave the state because they just they grew up here, but uh, you just can't let that type of talent disappear. And just saying. We've evaluated, and he doesn't fit our needs. Well, this time next year, uh, we'll see how it goes, and somebody's got to be able to answer those questions. And I know you're the guy to ask them. So yeah. Well, enjoy the show. here's the other thing, and thank you very much. You can always get him in the transfer portal, John, in a couple of years. <laughs> I mean, you might not have it's him true. today, but you might have him tomorrow. You know, who's to say? Who's to say? He might go to West Virginia. He's visiting there this weekend. Travion Dunbar visiting there this weekend. And who knows? He might he might end up at West Virginia somewhere else. But if he becomes, you know, a, a real hot commodity, um, 
he might decide, hey, you know what, I'd like to go back closer to home and put his name in the portal, and you'll have a chance to get him on the rebound, on the flip-flop. So nothing is secure anymore when it comes to college sports. You know, you talk about, about, about transferring the good and the bad and all that kind of stuff, but look at the South Carolina basketball team. Okay, I think people are pretty happy with them, right? No doubt, um, no doubt. You look at that lineup, I mean, you got four transfers and one recruited high school player in the, in the starting mm-hmm. lineup right now. So Lamont Paris was able to piece together. Um, and now Michi Johnson's been in the program two years, so that's a, a positive. He just wasn't a one and done. He came and he stayed for a couple of years. But he still was a transfer. None of these guys were originally recruited to South Carolina to play basketball. But they got him on the rebound out of the portal, John. And to this point, it's worked out well for South Carolina. You think uh, uh, Brad Brownell's not happy with Joe Girard uh, exactly. in his backcourt? You know? so, well, and I think um, basketball, basketball, you only need about two or three impact transfers. It's not like football where you need about ten uh, to really make an impact on your program. And, Phil, going back to something Cliff Ellis said on Wednesday about the transfer portal, I'll give you a perfect example. Tomorrow, Coastal takes on Wofford. Each team is missing a key component of their team playing at South Carolina. Ibrahim Adebo from Coastal, B.J. Mack from Wofford, both now at South Carolina. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. And that's exactly what Cliff Ellis was talking about, especially at that level, the mid-major level. You get players like Adebo. You get a player like B.J. Mack. You, you coach them. You bring them in. You train them. They, they improve considerably. And then all of a sudden, Power 5 team finds them says, hmm, they might look good on my roster. And B.J. Mack has been a major impact transfer for Carolina. We don't know what we'll see from Deba if he's able to get back in from his injury, but if he is able to go and he's anywhere close to what he would be or used to be, he'll be an impact player for USC as well. Something else ironic we talked about with uh, tomorrow's game between Coastal and Wofford. Mm-hmm. You want to share the irony that will be on display? <laughs> it was almost exactly one year ago to the day that uh, Dwight Perry, who's now the head coach at Wofford, took over as an interim coach uh, for Jay McCauley, who ultimately was dismissed and replaced by Dwight Perry, who now is in the job in his second year. He took over right before, a a day before on December the 5th. Coastal played them on the 6th. Mm -hmm. And now here we come a year later, and Cliff Ellis resigns on, what, the 6th? And Coastal's going to play Wofford on the 9th with Benny Moss as the interim coach tomorrow. How do you think that's going to work with Cliff? I mean, because we asked him the other night, I wasn't joking when I said, hey, are you going to be sitting in the stands mm-hmm. with your wife and screaming at the officials as a, as a retired guy? And he said, no, 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 I'm going to be – they're going to have a – they have an area, I guess, upstairs outside the office where yeah. he can watch and uh, – He can roll his he chair allowed? directly. He what, can what, roll what, his what, chair what, right what, out to the uh, – uh, to, you know, it's upstairs directly behind the baskets on one end of the HTC Center is where their offices are, and he can roll out in their glass windows. He can sit there and watch the game. What is he allowed to do, though? Can he go down at halftime? Can he do anything like, hey, this is what I observed? Or Oh, you mean like as a uh, – since he's advisor, no longer a coach? Yeah. <laughs> That's a great question. I don't know. Yeah. Can he yeah. sit up there like we know Jim Harbaugh probably did with, a, you know uh, – Secret Service microphone and was able to talk to his assistants and tell them what to do during games. I I don't think he wants to do that, though. I mean, I think he made it very clear that this is Benny's program moving forward. 
he will help when necessary, but I think he just wants to go sit and watch and observe and probably not sit in the stands. You know, coaches hate to sit in the stands because all of us who think we are coaches mm-hmm. tell them what's, what the team's doing wrong. They don't want to deal with that, so he can go upstairs and seclude himself and sit and watch the game and, and not be a burden. I, I think in some regards he, he probably doesn't want to be a burden on Coach Moss either. If Benny truly is going to take over the program, he's got to cut the cord and, and let him you know, spread his wings a little bit. And it's not like Benny Moss has not been a head coach before. He spent four seasons as the head coach at UNC Wilmington before he came down to Coastal. So this is not new to him. So I'm, I'm thinking Cliff probably looks at it. Look, I'm going to be an advisor, and if the, he needs my help, great. If not, I'm just going to go sit and watch the game. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to do it in the stands with everybody else. And let's don't forget, there's football tonight. Of course, we had Clay Hendricks with us last night. There's football tonight involving a South Carolina team. Furman taking on Montana out in Montana. That game will be on ESPN2. That's going to kick off at about 9 o'clock. I think the Paladins, you know, being healthy, they get their running game going. They get big Roberto going. That is a load. And when he finds a seam for a guy his size, he's got – Pretty good uh, get up and go. Mm-hmm. Um, get him going. Get the running game going. And then you get Huff going, throwing the football. That's a pretty good combination for Furman. Uh, I like their chances going out there and playing Montana. Even though, look, Montana ended up being, what, the number two seed. Correct. Furman would have been the number two seed had they not lost that game to Wofford. So this is a team, I, I think, in the minds of the experts that, you know, these two teams match up really pretty well, I would say. They're extremely good on defense, Phil. I think the first team to get to 20 points, if anybody gets to 20 points tonight, uh, wins that game because I think this is going to be a low-scoring defensive battle. And if, if Furman can get the run game going and get enough points, I, th- I think all they're going to need is about three touchdowns because of the way their defense is played. And Montana's probably thinking the same thing on their side. If we can just get a couple of touchdowns against Furman, that should be enough because of our defense. And fortunately, they don't have to deal with, as always is the case in November and December up in Montana, really potential for extremely cold and bad weather. Doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Dan Scott, the uh, radio play-by-play voice of Furman, he tweeted out a picture of their stadium earlier. We reposted. If you want to see what kind of uh, setting they're playing in tonight, it is gorgeous up there in the mountains in Montana. I mean, just beautiful stuff. I think that's in the Rocky Mountains. So, uh, perfect setting for football tonight. And I hope Furman goes in there and takes care of business. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool to see them advance. I remember yes, way back when they won their first national championship. I went out and covered that game, uh, and they played for the national championship in Pocatello, Idaho. And mm. you ever been to Pocatello, Idaho? I have not. I've been well, to we Moscow, Idaho. Pocatello, Idaho. Idaho uh, thinking it was in January because it was cold and snow was on the ground and uh, hanging out with some of the other media folks from South Carolina. I remember we drove down, got on the interstate, had some time to kill. We drove through um, Salt Lake City, went down to Logan, which is where Utah State is located, and Drove all around there. It's beautiful. It's beautiful country, mm-hmm. yeah, you know. But you really better is. take your long johns with you. <laughs> There's no doubt because you be you will freeze. Okay, we're going to run to our break here on Sports Talk. Going to try one more time. See if we can get Richie connected with us. If not, we'll talk to him upstairs here. He's been down on the on the ground, but uh, I can't figure out why we're not hearing him because it's working, but we're not hearing him. So. I'm going to work on that, see if we can figure it out. Otherwise, we'll have them on the headset up here, and we'll be back. Don't forget birdies, bogeys, and biceps coming up here at the bottom of the hour. 
We'll talk about the golf scene around the state of South Carolina. Also get George's reaction to John Rahm going to the Live Tour. Be back in a moment. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions played it for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at seccattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. This year's Carolina and Clemson Jackpot $5 scratch-off tickets give you a chance to win up to $200,000, whether you're a Gamecock or a Tiger. Plus, you can enter your tickets into the Second Chance promotion for a chance to step on the field or the court to win $50,000, $75,000, or even $100,000. In this state, winning the Palmetto Series does matter that much, so get your tickets today. See SCEducationLottery.com for odds and details. Winning and non-winning tickets can be entered. Second Chance odds depend on number of entries received. Your home is where your memories live. It's where you laugh and where you love. We understand the importance of the valuables under your roof, tangible and intangible alike. So no matter what's around the corner, we'll be there, offering you and your family the support that's made Farm Bureau Insurance a trusted name for nearly 70 years. You deserve more. You deserve a promise. Learn more at scfbins.com. Call me, Alex Satterfield, at 803 803- 749-9171 for all of your Midlands insurance needs. We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer, it's the fall in South Carolina. That means it's deer season. What do people need to know about? That's right, Phil. It is deer season. We always want to remind hunters to identify your target. Know the identifying features of the game you're hunting. Make sure that it's a deer before you take that shot. When walking to and from your stand in low light, use a flashlight so that no one will mistake you for a deer. For more information on hunting safety and more information on deer season, listen to our show on Wednesday nights on the Sports Talk Media Network. Discover holiday magic with Founders Federal Credit Union. Now through December 31st, make your holiday shopping merry and bright with our special 7.99 APR rate on select holiday purchases made with your Founders credit card. You need to hurry, though. This rate will be gone as fast as the holidays. Visit foundersfcu.com slash cc to save big this holiday season. Call 1-800-845-1614 for details about credit costs and terms. The stars do shine brighter at the beach as some of the best senior high school football players in South Carolina will be on display Saturday in the 76th Annual Touchstone Energy Cooperative Bowl. This is Phil Kornblut. Be sure to join us for our broadcast starting at noon from Doug Shaw Memorial Stadium. We'll have it all from kickoff to postgame, plus the announcement of Mr. Football at halftime. That's the Touchstone Energy Cooperative Bowl this Saturday at noon on the Sports Talk Media Network.
All right, Richie's up here with us. Good call by Chris to just have him sit up here with us for a few minutes so I can introduce him. But he needs no introduction to many people in the state. Uh, welcome into Sports Talk. Hey, guys. Appreciate you having me. Man, you're a trooper. Appreciate you hanging out down there. What did you learn about uh, what was going on below us here, the Joanne Langfit Underclassman Challenge? You learn anything from anybody? Well, I realize we had 75 young athletes out here that are ready to step up to that level to be a senior next year, right? I mean, to see what we were able to get on this field from all over the state, not just in Myrtle Beach, not just Charleston. We go all the way up to Wahala in that area. There's a lot of dudes. You know, we got a lot of guys, and, and hopefully we can keep those guys in state, right, if you're a state guy like me. Uh, but I realize that 707, there's a lot of talent flying around the field, and, of course, there's a lot of rivalries within the kids there that, you know, they had to kind of put that away, right, because some of these kids don't like each other on Fridays. But tonight night they're all best friends so 707 was big they got dodgeball down the hallway uh that are on the other side of the field that was big uh then you look at uh i believe they had tug of war i mean where'd that come from <laughs> um there's some kids down here eating some chicken wings or some chicken fingers i don't know if that's a competition it just seems like there's an opportunity uh scott and the guys here have done a great job really promoting this event today and all week long it's been a great week for me i can tell you that yeah yeah uh you get the feeling the kids down there really having a good time looks like they're handing out some awards and stuff right now yeah i don't know if that's awards or chicken fingers that's what I'm oh, okay <laughs> yeah there's like uh, there's a, <laughs> there's no, a one player like so five, happy yeah yeah they definitely are in a good place. and it, They all got here today. A lot of these kids got here today. And you could just see these kids light up like Christmas, right? They all walked in, and they're fist bumping one another. I mean, they've seen each other in these combines all year. Uh, but to get here, you had to be selected out of the 75 guys. You know how many high schools? There's over 300 high schools in our state. So mm-hmm. you do them I'm 60. That's a lot of people that are watching instead of playing this game here tonight. And even tomorrow is the same story. Yeah, looking forward to a, a good crowd here tomorrow. The weather's going to be uh, excellent. Um, going to be a fast turf. You were walking around down there. That yeah. When it's dry, that artificial turf is, is quick. I know the receivers in particular really like that. Yeah, I talked to the guys today. They said it takes, if it rains here, it's like a 25-minute to drain it. I mean, not even that, really. It's, it really drains very well here. Um, I can tell you, I thank uh, uh, the good Lord for the elevator as well uh, tonight because I got a chance to make sure it works properly. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's fast. I mean, it's so slick down there. I grew up at, and went to Sacristy back in 97 when I graduated, so this was a rivalry field for me. So it's kind of weird being here as long as I've been here all week. But, I mean, what a great facility, great place to host high school athletes all week long. And uh, I'm looking forward to tomorrow because if this is any idea of what we're going to see tomorrow at 12 o'clock, man, we're going to have a heck of a show for four hours. Yeah, you think uh, with all-star games, you want to light it up, you want to throw it all over the place. But, you know, in, in preparing for the game and going over my notes and looking at various stats and stuff, I don't know that um, – on the North squad that you're going to be um, having, let's see, uh, make sure. No, no, on the, yeah, on the North squad, just looking at the numbers from their quarterbacks uh, during the season, not so sure these guys are big-time throwers. It seems right. to me like they're more maybe more runners than they are throwers. It does seem like that. I think we got the guys that can run it on the north side. I think the south side is going to be a different story, though. I think you're going to see the ball thrown a little bit more tomorrow on the south side. Um, I've watched both practices all week long, so I can't really say that we have to really look at the narrative for the season because these are all new coaches to these kids. They're going to try to pull as much as they can. And for guys like you and I that are trying to predict it, well, guess what? There's coaches on the other side trying to predict it. So they're going to pull a lot of rabbits out of the hat come tomorrow, I think. Yeah, I had a lot of turnover on the south roster. Um, One, two, let's see, looks like one, two, three, 
uh, four of the original selectees are not with the uh, the team now because of injury or illness. They had some illness right. uh, early in the week. They weren't able to replace most of those. Um, and they also had to bring in – make that five. I forgot the kicker got hurt. Right. Kicker got hurt. Right. Uh, they had to bring in a kicker from Chapin, who's also a very good golfer, by the way, a plus three handicap for those who are who are wondering. The, the North squad has been able to hold its roster together um, – pretty much as it was put together. Interesting, I want to see this Chase Bird kid from Greer who's going to go to Clemson as a preferred walk-on. They uh, they see him as kind of a slot receiver, um, real good speed. Uh, talking to his coach, Will Young, last night, thinks he's a real good player, got a chance to go to Clemson and do some things. Yeah, he's one guy on that side. On the other side, Phil, I want to see what the, guy, the young man from Wilson can do. That's Mr. Waiters, I think um, – that he's going to be committed if he's not already. I, I want to say he's committed to East Carolina. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So he's a young man that had a lot of speed yesterday, and I really kind of watched and see what he was able to do. They moved him around. Uh, and then there's that big, tall, wide receiver from Lashley Ridge, man. That kid made some noise for a new coach that came down from Rent High School and Coach Tate and had those guys in, I think, the second round of the playoffs, if not third round. So that that's the kid you want to watch, that wide receiver from uh, Ashley Ridge. Yeah. Put him down and circle him and highlight him because you're going to see a lot of him tomorrow. Number 17, Derek Sally. He's 6'4", 200. There's also a tight end off that team to keep an eye on as well. He is Dwayne Simmons, 6'3", 210. So Ashley yeah. Ridge had a couple of uh, couple of big guys. Uh, Chris Bergen, a veteran play-by-play announcer himself, voice of Sockesty. Mm-hmm. Didn't get a chance to call a lot of touchdowns this season. What's your favorite <laughs> touchdown call? I don't really have a favorite one. Um, mm-hmm. My call is usually just touchdown sockesty. Um, the mm-hmm. as you pointed out, the unfortunate rare times that occurred here the past couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that is improving. They did have a, a fine quarterback that uh, you know had to deal with. Uh, Rocco had to deal with the injuries last year and yeah. would bounce back and now actually going to put his talents to work on the baseball diamond over at Coker uh, University. So we'll see how that goes for him. Wish him well. But, yeah, I would I would like to have called some of these teams like Daniel and Westside and, and those type guys that score 40, 50 points a game. That's that's a lot of fun. Mm. You got a favorite touchdown call from your days? Oh, mine? Oh, there were so many. A.J. Green was there. Shaq Davis. I mean, I mean, Shaq did, you, Davis. did you have a signature call? See, the um, players like that were – Touchdown! You get players like that. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I kind of, yeah, I kind of went into a little bit of, you know, I would go into touchdown. I would name the player, the number, and then get back to the green wave touchdown back in the end zone again. Put a green six on it. That there sounds you go. good as well. That was stolen. That was stolen. Now my favorite one is Charlie when Mack. we did the Spivey special to beat Fort Dorchester in double overtime in 2018. You did that. That was my favorite call of all times. Period. Got to hit the break. Yes. Thank you, Richie. Appreciate it. Birdies, bogeys, biceps coming up after the break. Straight down the middle, it went straight down the middle, then it started to hook just a wee wee bit, that's when my caddy lost sight of it, that little white pellet has never been found to this day. It is time to take our eye off the football and put our eye on the golf ball here on Sports Talk. Time for another edition of Birdies, Bogeys, and Biceps. We got the birdies, George Bryan. We got the bogeys, that's me. And Robbie Thames has got the biceps, but the biceps are 
with him at a Christmas party tonight that neither George nor I happen to be invited to, Nobody else, nor anybody else in our studio tonight. George, welcome in once again to the program. It's great to have you with us. Hope you had a terrific week. Yeah, and I love this time of year. It's holiday season. It's also the training season. And I got to tell you, we can't let Pat get too comfortable. And if he's gnawing on a sandwich, we'll give him a second to take a breath because mm. we're going to bring him in. There's a lot to talk about, a whole bunch to talk about. But Pat brought up that Robbie used the term he was arm candy tonight at the uh, That's <laughs> at right. his Christmas party. Yeah, so <laughs> Pat gave me the news. Robbie didn't. And, you know, I like the way that sounds. Arm candy for his girlfriend. <laughs> well, yeah. now, that makes it sound like uh, Robbie's better looking than his girlfriend. I'm sure it's got to be the other way around. If he's the, oh, uh, if he's the arm Robbie, candy, hey. as, as Pat put it. Now, that's how Pat described it, not me. I would never describe a man in that way, but that's how Pat did it. I sure did. Yeah. I'm comfortable. Well, I am comfortable, man. And also, I was. I wanted to make sure I described it exactly like Rob did. I was reading that <laughs> verbatim. And uh, and hey, we do call. We we seem to focus on his biceps on this show. So maybe maybe the arm candy was that she could just swing from his biceps and dance around the floor. Well, I can, trust me. She is beautiful, and Robbie is not. I mean, he's a <laughs> the best looking guy I ever saw. Uh-huh. He's ugly. And he is he definitely girlfriend up. And, you know, we just like to have fun. And, and on this radio program, it's kind of like our games. In our imagination, we just get better as the show goes on mm. and as the season goes on. And it's holiday time of the year, and it's the training season for golf, a little bit of an off season. The, uh, we, got, we got a lot to talk about uh, tonight with – John Rahm making his announcement, and uh, I've already got I've got a number of texts, I got emails, I got tons of comments about you know everybody's got their opinion. What's really cool in the off season, there's golf news, and it's headliner news. So, you know, John Rahm, I don't think he's got the ranking right now to be number one in the world. Although he is, in my opinion, the best player in the world. Uh, that's that's big golf news, but it's sport news, too. Mm-hmm. Kind of shook up the sports world because from reading a little deeper into the story, he was willing, had been willing to hang in with the PGA and stay on the PGA Tour. Of course, he was making buco dollars by, by winning tournaments and all that, but he was expecting, you know, they've been telling these guys they're working on a deal with Live Golf to form an association by the end of this year. That's the deadline, December 31st. And the Saudis are supposed to funnel in hundreds of millions of dollars into the PGA uh, to be shared with their players, et cetera. That's what they—that's the carrot they've been dangling. But from what I've read, you know, that those negotiations may have hit a snag or two, may not happen. And thus, he's like, okay, well, they're—they're they're talking five, six hundred million right now. Imagine that, George. He's, he's going to cross the half-billion mark in guaranteed earnings from the people there at the Saudi fund that's funding Live Golf. I mean, that's insane. But you're talking about a group of people, an organization, that have no 
uh, limits on the amount of money. What's what's a half billion dollars to these folks? They have no limit as to how much money they can spend on somebody. You know, it is uh, it's fascinating. It's intriguing. It's news. It's not great news. Uh, it's it's news, and you know they're out there. You hear you've heard uh, any news, and that 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 happens to golf could be good news. Golf. I think it's the greatest game out there. It's really cool that these kind of things that are happening, it will bring more attention to the game, which I think deserves it. It's the only game you can play for a lifetime, and they're folks that you, we can hit a golf shot. You, I, Pat, Robbie, anybody out there listening can hit a shot, one shot, just square in the middle of the club face that is that can match the very best shot very, well, maybe not the longest, but center is center. And a ball that flies through the air as designed is a great shot. We can do it just like the best in the world. Now, we can't probably do it as consistent. But you can't go out. I don't care where you are, football, baseball, basketball, soccer. You can't even take a step like the best at those games. Not one step anymore. It's done. <laughs> but in golf, we can feel it, taste it, touch it. So it is extraordinarily well, unique. Now let me let me let me throw a couple of examples out there, George. Let's talk about this for just a moment. You bring up an interesting question. So let's just say I'm in an NBA game. All right, and <laughs> let's just say that. Yeah, Ouch. you can't take. <laughs> let's let's just say I'm in an NBA game and I have the basketball and I'm I'm being Michael Jordan is guarding me. Okay, and I make a move and he fouls me. Okay, now look, I'm not going to outjump Michael Jordan. I'm not going to get my shot up over him. And I'm not going to be able to defend him in any way possible. But if you foul me and put me on the foul line for two, just like Michael Jordan, I can make a free throw. Now, put me and Tiger Woods on a par three. Put me and Tiger Woods on a par three, 165 yards, the pin center of the green, no water, <laughs> one bunker to the left, out of play. I can par it, just like Tiger Woods can par it. See what I'm saying? Yeah. I, let me just let me just throw this at you. Hmm. You couldn't even take the inbound pass <laughs> if Michael Jordan was on the court. There's no way. And if you – you would not take a step, and he would not no, follow you. You would not even have a chance to do let, anything with basketball. Trust me. I would you get Larry zero. Bird. I would get Larry Bird to set a high pick for me <laughs> off the elbow. I would. I would. He just turned sixty-seven yesterday. By the way, Be- talk about beautiful men. That is the most beautiful man on the planet, Larry Bird. I've always felt that way. <laughs> Now this is really going sideways. Now, wait a minute. You you thought it was weird for me to say arm candy, and now you're sitting here talking about how beautiful Larry Bird is. He had the most – he had a beautiful jump shot, but the man is so far from that. Oh, that was foul. It's all in your perception. It's all in your perception. All right, but let's go back to the golf thing. Now, I will say this. Um, Many years ago, we had an opportunity to go out to – what is now Cobblestone, used to be University Club, they had an event, and they brought in Chip Beck, Mr. 59. Okay? 
Remember him, Chip Beck? Wonderful guy. I spent, yeah. I spent all afternoon with him, uh, 1992. Absolutely wonderful guy. Yeah. So we got the media out there. This goes back to what I'm talking about. And so we all go to the par three. Um, I think it's the par three. It would be the it was the one over water. I can't remember the number, but it's a par three out there. And he was going to play with everybody on this par three. So this is what I'm talking about. And so he hits his ball, of course, and he hits his ball over the water, lands maybe 10, 15 feet from the pin. What do you think I did, George, when I got up there? What do you think I did? You knocked, you knocked it inside his ball. No, I hit about three feet behind the ball, and it dribbled off the tee box down towards the <laughs> lake. <laughs> I totally choked. I totally, completely, 100% choked under the pressure of a guy that shot 59 on the PGA Tour. So the nerves well. got the better of me. Well, that's uh, yeah. That's you would be able to take an all. inbounds pass and being guarded by Michael Jordan, still hang on to the basketball and get to the foul line. Okay, yeah, and then yeah. make a yeah. free yeah. throw with twenty thousand sets of eyes staring at him in the crowd. <laughs> hey, I'd be betting on I, you could probably hit the backboard, but not the rail. If it makes you feel better, so, uh, Phil, I would just whiff the ball. If I try, if I were in that situation in golf, I probably wouldn't even make contact. Yeah, yeah. I did. I barely hey, made contact. A, I'm telling you, I, I dug a hole deep enough to bury a dead squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of that, uh, I had I had this reoccurring nightmare before I played in the PGA Championship that I would get to the second hole at Medina. Hey, it's cool. Jimmy Hawkins, the 1983 state amateur champion, sent me a video on Medina when Hale Irwin won. It was old VHS and. So I watched that video a number of times before the event, the PGA Championship, was played in 99 there and had the chance to play in it. Well, number two is a part three over water, and I had this nightmare. I kept dreaming that I'd, I'd never be able to get it over the water. And I just I, – I had all these things that I would do in order to – I'd fake an injury, you know, mm. all of a sudden my back go out, uh, I'd start limping. You know, I just I just had this dream I couldn't get it over the water, and I wouldn't finish the tournament because I couldn't get over the water. And it didn't happen a lot, but I did wake up several nights sweating going, man, I hope that's not real. So in the tournament, first round, uh, I, uh, oh, I made a lucky birdie on the first hole. I mean, I couldn't hardly see. I couldn't breathe, choking like a dog, but making – I made a birdie on the first hole. Uh, my first first hole in the PGA Championship – and look up on the leaderboard that's right by the second tee box, and it shows T1. Now, it's early in the morning, man, but T1. I'm at the top of the leaderboard, tied for first. <laughs> and walking uh, behind me and standing on the tee walks up Tiger Woods, Tom Watson, and Brian Watts. Well, nobody knows Brian Watts anymore, but Tom Watts and Tiger Woods did not intimidate me. Tom Watson, on the other hand, did I, mm. that one bothered me? He's watching me. Start pouring rain. I got the honor. I put the uh, so I walk out. I have the honor. I'm hitting first. I walk out on the tee. It start. It starts to pour. I tee my ball up and walk back over. It's pouring rain. Walk back mm. over. Tiger Woods tells says whispers to the caddy, "Hey, uh, 
you probably want to dry that ball off and uh tell and and <laughs> so my caddy trip Barry whispers over, Hey Tiger said you probably want to dry that ball off and I went, uh and it, Tiger heard me say this, I went, My hands are shaking too bad, I'd never <laughs> get it back on the tee. <laughs> Are you that, serious? That that is the true. That's a true story. My ball sat out there in the rain. That was a good locker room story. And they asked me after I was asked afterwards, man, what? And that that, that prompted because we're on the uh, on the next hole, the par five. And Tiger goes, uh, now this is very quiet. Just hey, what'd you hit? What'd you hit? And he knew what I hit because he saw it. I hit a four iron. Mm-hmm. He knew what I hit. And I said. I didn't call it. I'm not going to say what I called him. I said, uh, well, you know what I hit. Did you call him Tig? Did you call him Tiger? Did you call him Tig? Did you do, did you two become no, uh, I, y'all, no, did y'all bond? No, we weren't buddies. No, we weren't body, buddies. He was making fun of me because he knew what I hit. He was looking at my bag. He knew I hit uh-huh. a four iron. Uh-huh. So I said, uh, he he just wanted me to ask him what he hit. <laughs> and we're on the next hole. That's all legal. So I go, okay, what did you hit? He goes. He he grabbed he goes he grabbed the choked down seven iron and he looked at me and I went yeah and he hit it right over the top of the head the only thing I could say is that uh, we had several little exchanges he's very kind yeah but you mentioned choking and situations and and nothing like this game of golf not this time of year and I am I am a little I am quite disappointed to know that John Rahm goes to LIV and we yeah. the biggest disappointment is that we won't be able to see him all the time but I will tell you hey we've had PGA tour players on our show nobody really knows what's going on right now nobody we had one on just a couple of weeks ago uh, a PGA tour player and we he he right there with you and I he couldn't he couldn't say what was going on we really don't know and I've read articles I don't know the authors personally, but I can tell by reading the articles I've read, they don't know what's going on either. So I think it's a great time of year to speculate. We can we can guess, forecast. I'm not sure if, if uh, anybody been interested enough to even call in the show, Phil, throughout the course of the week. Probably not, not in football season, but I wish they would. Not tonight. We're not taking any calls tonight, but – is anybody called in to ask? No. It's football season well, that's still. Disappointing. Mm-hmm. That's disappointing. <laughs> it's football hey, season you know still. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I think the uh, pro- most of the professional golfers, if you go back to the origin of what happened, and, and Greg Norman a long time ago had this idea of literally uh, – a big four, big ten tour where just a few of the top players would create their own tour. Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't go so well. The problem there is, well, there are a couple of layers of problems. First of all, he didn't come up with that idea. If you don't think that was presented to Nicholas, Player, Trevino, and Palmer, well, trust me, that was. And I don't know the people who did it, but that was thought about. You ever heard of Shell's Wonderful World of Golf? Oh, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that, was, that, that was basically a, 
a little, this is a derivative of the lift tour is a, a derivative of that particular idea where it's exhibition golf. And that's been referred to the lift tour as a bit of an exhibition tour, a little bit like, uh, the, in a, in the Olympic sports, you got the Olympic ice skating competition. Then you have the, the ice shows, the circus where they don't compete. They just show up and put on a performance and get paid handsomely. You know, a little bit like Olympic wrestling, real wrestling, and, you know, the stuff we see on TV. <laughs> you know, not the best com- <laughs> comparison, but but I think the Live Tour is is recreational. Is now, Yeah, they're playing for a lot of money. The other part, I wouldn't say recreational. It is for show, and they've got some ideas that long ago should have been adopted, like the team. There is a great place for team golf in our sport. I'm not saying I'm happy about the live program, but I, I do think this idea of bringing team to golf had a great conversation with uh, Thomas Hackett, who is from Boston, went to Binghamton. Uh, from, he played in the Northwoods dogfight today. I don't know how he turned out. We'll find out tomorrow morning. Uh, guessing that they lightened him up a little bit there, hmm. but mm-hmm. he, he was talking about club golf in Ireland and how much fun club golf was. And I'm not sure this is going to happen real quick, but I do believe the live tour, what they bring to the table in golf is team idea. I think that's the next place for the game to grow. If it's going to be at the expense of people being unhappy with the PGA tour or whatever the side they do, well, you know, maybe that'll happen, maybe not. I tell you, golf's pretty daggum. Still really popular. Mm. Tour players, you know what they play for? Yeah, that's right, money. Mm-hmm. They do play for the trophy. But, hey, they're professional athletes. And it's, uh, you know, now that there's another point out there. How do we know that this outside agency, how do we know how much they already own of the current companies that sponsors our pga tour right now i've been in i've been in conversations where that was a question that that brought in a lot of uh well put it this way it was a very emotional conversation (laughs) because you really don't know who has the stock in privately owned cup companies for that matter publicly owned companies so they're already invested in in some capacity, and that's a fact. That's already been established. So we're George, thinking, I've got a quick. I, you know, go ahead. I, I'm sorry, I've, I've got a quick question for you about that because you were referencing what Two Gloves had to say a couple of weeks ago, and I thought he was fantastic talking about the lack of transparency from the PGA offices back to the players. The one difference I've seen in pro sports versus what happens on the uh, professional golf tour is in the NFL, anything that the owners want to do, they've got to deal with the players' union. Anything in the NBA that the owners want to do, they have to deal with the players' union. If the PGA Tour players, as I guess individual contractors, I mean, would a unionized group maybe gain more uh, respect from the front office and get more answers and more transparency? Would that even work in, in professional golf? Oh, I, I, <laughs> I guarantee you it would. And if it was, if it was better uh, transparency, if it was better relationship, there wouldn't be a live tour at this point. Mm, mm. That's my opinion. 
uh, all the things that have taken place. Uh, it really didn't need to happen that way. Greg Norman made he went he went pretty uh, he went aggressive aggressive in the early late nineties early two thousands, and they thought they they thought they uh, put a muzzle on it, but it pretty apparent they didn't. Uh, there, I don't know everything there is to know. I very know I know very little about what's what's been happening on the PGA tour up until my son got involved and here's what I know is is the <laughs> in in the other sports the owners they're the owners but the players definitely have better leverage in the other in those sports than they do in golf but that's changing rapidly right in front of us right this minute and I think it's the right thing there's no question uh there're only 100 and, what 125 players supposedly uh, they talk call it the 125. Technically, there'll be 240, 50 players throughout the course of the year. I'm not real sure they have been fair to the people in the two to 210 category. I picked up a conversation from uh, a dad last week at the qualifier. I called you guys last Friday at night, and one of the parents uh, whose, whose son got injured, a lot like Wesley, uh, he was not treated real fair by the PGA Tour with the major medical, and he was really vocal about it, not mentioning any names. Uh-huh. I will tell you that uh, after hearing his side and at least what took place, I was appalled. I was like, are you kidding me? That You know, it's one of those things that maybe the top four, five, or ten players, they get a lot of special treatment. That player at number 201, 204, 210, I'm not so sure. All you got to do is, hey, check out last year's 210 and see how see how he was treated this year, year before last to last year. And I think those, those are some of the things, not, not, uh, not that I know everything. I know that there's some injustice going on, that uh, the ship's getting ready to write in a better direction in 2024. George, That's a good real- guess. Sorry, real quick, if I may, just we we only got about two more minutes. Uh, it was short. It was announced whether this was coincidence or not. Within a couple hours of John Rahm's announcement that he was leaving the PGA for the Live Tour, Wells Fargo made an announcement that it would no longer be sponsoring the annual event up in Charlotte, which we've all grown to love. Especially, it's only an hour and a half up the road. They were directly citing the rising costs and demands from the PGA Tour including the PGA Tour insisting on sponsors covering a, a major percentage of the purses in these new signature events that Jay Monahan has instituted to try to compete with the Live Golf. That's a major, major sponsor, big loss for the PGA Tour. Do you think that this is just the beginning? Could we potentially see more sponsors start to pull out? I don't think there's any question. There's So the way that they set this tour up, there's a lot of favor towards the top players, and they're going to play a limited schedule because they can. And, you know, I I would uh, – what I'm going to do is try to get some of these players, get a few players on over the holidays. So you got to – if you're out there listening, kind of oh. curious, uh, understand I'm going to make some requests. I'm not sure they'll honor it, but we'll try to get some – some uh, current and even former PGA Tour players to join us. I want to say this real quick. A student of yours, a place kicker, Chase Klein from Chapin, was added to the roster. 
He's going to Western Carolina to play golf. He's going to kick in this game tomorrow. He's a plus three. He's one of yours. Well, I tell you what, he's his own coach and teacher. He's a great athlete, and that's awesome. Congratulations, Chase. Thank you, uh, George. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you tomorrow on the broadcast.